Thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? Yeah. Hey, I was here Wednesday night, and uh, <laughs> I was sitting behind a certain older man, or older than me, and I noticed he had a lot of hair on his head. <laughs> kind of made me jealous. <laughs> Wishing I had a lot of hair on my head. But I don't. So, have you ever looked in the mirror, and uh, have you, <laughs> and realized, like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've really never given up on that loss of hair. That was kind of one of my losses in life that I still have grief over. But yeah, and especially when I sit behind older people, people older than me that have more hair than me. My daddy uh, passed away uh, with a lot of hair. My brother's ten years older than me. He has lots of hair. So it's just somehow God didn't do this thing exactly the way. I, I think he should have done it. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm just trying out some new things here, okay? Like I tell I've been taking this preacher's course, and one of the things they try to tell you to do is you need to try to make your congregation feel comfortable, okay, when you preach. You know, so that's what I'm trying to do is make y'all more comfortable. But I pray, hey, uh, you know, there was a saying by a famous revivalist, and he said, uh, he, his prayer was that God would comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I think somehow or another, uh, you know, with a lot of what's happening in our, our nation and the world, there, somehow God wants to use that to stir the heart of the church. Listen, we're not victims, man, and we've, we just can't accept that. Okay, I think it's a time for the church to start rising up. I think it's time for Christians to start rising up. I don't know about you, but I just feel there's a pushback in me right now. I pray this in you. I believe it's, I believe it's the Holy Spirit in me. I believe he's ready to do some pushing back because I feel like we've been pushed around. Okay, we've been pushed around. And the church has been beat down over the past few years, but I feel like God's fixing to rise up in, in the people of God. Amen? And we're not talking about uh, some foolish thing. We're talking about the power of God rising up in the people of God. You know why the church is diminished? is because we haven't allowed or whatever reason. I can't figure it all out. But God is the thing that attracts people. God is the thing that makes us beautiful. Amen. And we need God to manifest himself in us and through us. You know, and that's really the answer for us. It's him. It's not anything we're doing. It's him. Now, what we are doing is should be a, an outcome of him. Amen. And so I just believe God's going to stir his people. That's what I feel. I feel a stirring in the spirit. I feel a stirring that God wants to fix some things and set some things right. And I feel like he's going to start shutting some mouths. And I think he's going to raise up some voices in the earth. Voices that represent his voice. And we all need to be asking the Lord this, and asking him for this. Lord, let, let my voice be your voice. Let you, I want you to speak through me. I want your voice to come through my life. And that's really what's going to change the world. Amen. Well, there you go. I made you comfortable, right? Yeah. So I want to read, uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning, I'm going to stick with being a better preacher, okay, try to be better with you. I'm going to tell you what, I, you know, the old saying was, you tell people what you're going to say, 
this was an old-timey uh, method in preaching. You tell them what you're going to say, then you say it, and then you tell them what you said. <laughs> I think that was the third part. Was that it? Something like that. That was a Pentecostal world, but I, I think that. Hey, I think the Pentecostal church is going to rise up in this hour. Okay? I do. I really think. Uh, it's been, uh, in other parts of the world, it's the greatest church there is. It really is. It's the most growing, most powerful church. Uh, we saw something um, on CBN uh, where uh, in, in Europe, there is really a church emerging in Europe. But it's not a church of Europeans. It's a church of Africans that have migrated. See, the devil thought he was fixing to do something. He was going to overwhelm people with migration. You know, that too many people coming in and ruining the country. God has another plan. He is raising up congregations all over Europe of Africans that have migrated. Okay? And there, if there's a prophecy that was being fulfilled that when, when Europe and America and all these people went to Africa many years ago, there was a prophetic word given that eventually this whole thing would, would flip. That they would come to us. And they would bring the power of God to us. And that's really what's happening. That's what's happening in England and all over Europe now. The majority of people in church on Sunday mornings or whenever their church meets in Europe are not Europeans. They're not white people. They are Africans. They're black people. Okay? Those are the believers that are going to save that continent. They're the believers that God's going to use. Amen? God's re- and those people are not mamby pamby Christians, you know. They're not sissy Christians. They are. Those people are serious about what they're doing, and I believe the day will come. We'll see in America that what the enemy has meant for evil, God's going to completely turn it and begin to use people that we never suspected He would use. Isn't that exciting? It's just so exciting what God's doing. Yeah, Amen, Amen. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what God's doing. We have to begin to see what God's doing versus seeing just what everybody else is seeing. I'm going to go tell you this. I'm just off the subject here. I've never gotten to what I was. If you see and hear what everybody else in the world sees and hears, you are a defeated Christian. You've got to see something different. You've got to hear something different. You've got to ask God to let you see what he's doing, what he's up to, what his strategies are, and what he is saying about stuff. Because if you listen to what everybody else is saying in the world, the news, the, the whatevers, the great theologians of our time, if you listen to that, you're going to be defeated. You're going to lose heart. But when you begin to hear what God is saying... There's a shift that will happen in you. And confidence will arise in your heart. You can face situations. You can look down the barrel of guns and know that God's, got, God's up to something. Amen. And God wants to get, these, get us. He wants to stir us. He's talking. And he wants us to hear him. And he doesn't want us to be defeated. We have victory in Christ. We're overcomers in Christ. It's time to shift into that mode. Amen. All right. Now back to the preaching class. <laughs> uh, what I am going to share with you this morning is, you know, I've been talking to you about the blessing of God or, or our spiritual inheritance or the promises of God. Because as Rick Joyner, I'm, I don't know if you all remember, I gave a quote that Rick Joyner gave last year that the, the 
the entire Bible, except for the first three chapters, and the last three chapters are about one thing. It's restoration. And what is being restored? We're being restored to what we lost. What did we lose? We lost the blessing of God. In the fall, mankind lost it, and God has been working, and, and it's the truth what he said. So what I'm trying to talk to you about is a big subject. Uh, it's a lot of chapters in the Bible, except for those first three and last three. To really put your hands around I think the church could talk about this until Jesus came back, because that's what God's doing until Jesus comes back. God is restoring something that we lost. God's restoring something that belongs to us. And that he wants us to walk in. So this is back to my preaching class. Reclaiming your blessing this morning. Amen? Are y'all good? I'm not asking you again. I'm sorry I did that. I'm not supposed to do that. All right. I'm going to read Genesis 1, 1 through 3. This is so beautiful. There's so much revelation in in Genesis. uh, The first three chapters is so beautiful. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering. Don't you love that? Oh, God, hover, right? That's the best thing. It's God. When you feel God, I believe God's always hovering. But when you feel it, when you're connected to it, you sense the Spirit of the Lord hovering. You know, it was like those moments this morning in worship. All of a sudden, I just felt this little wave come through. Like, oh, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that because that's where life is. You know, the Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. That's what Jesus said. The words that I speak into your spirit in a life, that's, that's what God wants us to have. He wants us to dial into that and connect it, and we can. That's the beautiful thing about it. Anyways, that was really good. The Spirit of God was hovering. Someone has said that hovering was like a, like a mother hen with its wings over its little bitties. And if you've ever been around chickens, you don't mess with a mother hen with their bitties because they will go after you, you know, running with their little beak out at you. And I'll tell you one thing you don't want to mess with is these doggone Canadian geese. When that, and you on a golf course, you, got, you better hang on to your golf club just in case because they'll come after you. They're not scared, you know, and they'll just look at you. You know, like, what are you doing here? You know, I'm not moving. I dare you to run over me. In fact, I'm going to do-do all over the cart path. And you're probably going to step in it. I'm not, I'm, that's not my problem. Anyways. And so he was hovering. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> then God said, let there be light. And, and there was light. And so... I wanted to say this morning, the first revelation that God gave of himself was that he was a creator. That's the first thing he wanted humanity to know is I'm a creator and I create with words. Now, this is really key. I create with words. And if you read uh, chapter 1 of Genesis, it says this phrase over and over, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And then he would talk about what he created with his voice, with his words, over and over. So what God was really trying to get, wants us to understand is, is that 
that God's a creator and he, this is how he creates. He creates with his words. His words are power and he speaks those words and things happen. So he almost, I'm going to say almost, complete created everything with words. Almost. He didn't create everything with words though. Now if you'll remember correct, we'll get back to that in a second. If you'll remember correct, at the first of the year we talked about we have moved into a new decade in the Hebrew calendar. We're now in the uh, 80s, the 5880, right? I think that's the, the number, okay, that we're in. And that means, what did you say, Maya? Huh? Pay. 5780, okay, 5780, 80. So that word for, and if you go study the Hebrews, I don't, y'all, if y'all remember this or not, but it's, speaks of, in the Hebrew, the symbol is for the mouth. We're in the time of speaking. We're in the time of words. We're in the time of communication. And so over the next years, God's going to teach the church how to speak because God's a speaker. You hear what I'm telling you? God is going to get us in alignment and begin to give us words and begin to give us vocabulary. And language that he speaks. Some of the vocabulary and language that we had in the last season that was beautiful, that was amazing, you will find that losing effectiveness. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? It's going to lose it because we're in a different time now and God's got different words. I was reading or hearing or something, I don't know where I got, about the word download. Okay, y'all heard that word before. Download was not a word up until the late 70s. When computers came in and somebody was trying to, to describe something that happens in the computer realm. And they came up with this word, download. Makes total sense, right? But before that, it made no sense. It was a new word. I guarantee you God's going to give us some new words. And they're going to have some power on them because they're going to be words from the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So we've got to ask the Lord to teach us some new words. Words from yesterday... Words from way yesterday may not work anymore. And so we need some new words. We need a new vocabulary. We need some communication that's got something on it that didn't have on it before. That's exciting. So we have to become students and allow the Lord to teach us. I think that's really good. Let's, yeah, amen. Uh, let me read uh, verse 27 and 28 of Genesis 1. So God, I read this last week. So God created human beings. He God did create us. It says that. In his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, I'm going to stop right there. Uh, I'm going to read in, in a minute in Genesis 2. God did not create us by his words. And Gen- let, me just, let me just go ahead and read Genesis 2, 7 and tell you the difference here. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. He formed him. He didn't speak him into being like he spoke bugs and trees and stuff. He formed him. He took something that he created with his words being the dust and put his hands on it. He put his hands on it and began to form it. And it goes on to say, and, that the, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. It was God's spirit he breathed into to Adam and Eve and and man became a living being. He became alive because God put his hand on him and God breathed into him. And that's how we were created. And nothing else was created like we were created. 
But God did speak the blessing over man. He, he didn't just form him and said, okay, y'all are great. Go do what you're supposed to do. No, he, he spoke a blessing over him. And so here's the thing we've got to get about this blessing thing. That's how the blessing is activated. That's how it's released is through being spoken. That's why the Lord, you know, I read that thing in number six last week. When, when Moses told Aaron, speak the blessing over the people. Speak it over them. Don't just think it over them. Speak it over them. Listen, why do we sing songs? I mean, well, we sing them to worship, but there's something for us in them. There's power on some of these words that we're singing. If we really will tap in, like, uh, that's, what was that song? Uh, I was made to love. That's, there's power on that. When you begin to declare that, you're declaring truth. And when we begin to declare truth, something can happen. So I want to encourage you about the singing thing. We don't just come just to sing songs. We come to worship first, but we also come to declare something. Why did God say, when he said pray, teach us to pray, he said pray like this. He opened his mouth and prayed. He didn't say, think about it like this. Think your prayers. No, he said pray, speak forth your prayers. Are you hearing? And you know, in those scriptures where it says declare something. These are all things that God wants to do to activate something, to release something into the earth because that's how God did it. That's how Jesus healed people. Are y'all following this? And so this is how this, this deal was going in creation. But this is really, I just was sharing this with you because we're going to be a people blessing and we're going to be a people who bless. And, we're, and one of the ways, and, and the main way we're going to bless, we're going to release it through our words. But the truth is we need that thing burning in our heart. We need, and it just needs to be flowing in us. We don't want to just, uh, you know, be parrots, Right. The, the empty words that have no meaning that, that we want to be able to speak stuff that has moved in us. You hear what I'm telling you? We need a movement inside of us. That's the move of God right now. It's an inward move. He's moving us. But I'll tell you, the way this move of God is going to break out, it's going to break out with our words. We're going to begin to declare. We're going to begin to see something God's doing, and we're going to point that out and say, like the disciples said, behold the Lamb of God who takes They released something that day when they said that in John chapter 1. Behold the Lamb. There was a release. There was power on those words. And so because they saw it. They saw something. That's what God wants to do. He wants to stir something in you and I. I think he is. And there's many people feel stirred. But eventually this blessing's going to get released. Anyways, we need to stop saying negative stuff, right? We really do. If you're being critical, you need to stop. And also about parents and children. Wow. Your words have so much power over them. It's unreal. Children are looking for affirmation. They're looking for you to say, well done. They're looking for you to say, this is who you are. Buddy, if you don't do that, they, somebody else is going to do it for you. And I can promise you, you don't want that somebody else saying that to your children. You want, to, when the time comes, to release your kids, and they are secure in who they are. They have secure identity. Because they're going to face a world that's going to try to tell them something else. They're going to face labels that somebody's going to try to put on them. And if they're settled in their true identity, those labels can't be attached to them. They won't stick. They'll fall off. They're like wet tape. They just fall right off of them. 
And so I think we had to really apply this practically in our homes, in our families. Husbands need to speak right to their wives. Wives need to speak right to their husband, need to speak the truth. And, you know, this is such an important thing now. We're not talking about some, some just uh, stirred up emotional thing. We're talking about something that's real that is going to impact lives and can literally save lives. Can literally save lives. Have you ever wondered why angels don't preach the gospel? Like in uh, Acts 10, uh, you know, Cornelius was this man that was very godly, a uh, Roman soldier. Uh, and the Bible says he was, he was a praying man. He was a generous man. He was a given man. And an angel appeared to him. And if you read that, it's this is a great thing because it says he was just overcome with fear when he saw this angel. And said, well, you know, spoke to the angel with great respect. And the angel said, go and get Peter. And listen to what the message that Peter has. The angel couldn't give the word. He couldn't preach the gospel. Because the gospel is meant for us to preach. And so the angels come to help us preach the gospel. But that is not their job. Their job is not to declare. Their job is not to pray like we pray. And do things and speak blessings. Their job is to help us do those things. And so God really is interested in, in what we say and how we speak. And if you're speaking bad, you're speaking condemnation on yourself. You're going to drag yourself down. You're going to hurt yourself. So when I look at my bald head, I try to say, it's nice. It's nice. You know what my grandson told me the other day? He was saying, uh, Papa, all, all your hair is going to be burned off. I said, what are you talking about? I said, it's already gone. No, no, every bit of it's going. It's all going. That's what he said. Every bit of it. I said, uh-uh, Luke, it ain't all going. No, sir, I'm not accepting that. It's gone. What needs to be gone? I'm hanging on to the little bit I have. Anyways, speak good stuff over your children. Okay, what I want to point out uh, is... I'm not, in, in Genesis 1, this is really important now, okay? Genesis 1, if you go back and read it, uh, the, what I sh- shared like seven or eight times, it says, and God said, and God said, and God said, okay? It, it uses that term God, G-O-D, uh, all through Genesis 1, all the way up to uh, Genesis 2, verse 4, okay? Now, this, this is really a vital revelation here. Then it shifts. No longer is God called God in Genesis 2. He's called Lord God. Okay, now let me tell you, here's the proper definition of God's name in chapter 1. It's Elohim. You've heard that name. I'm saying that right. Where's the, where's Mr. King, huh? Elohim? Am I correct? See, I'm speaking Hebrew. (laughs) This is the definition. Elohim is the general name for God and is used in the context as God is a creator. That's powerful, isn't it? That's beautiful. It emphasizes, now this is where we need to get this. It emphasizes that God is distant and powerful. You hear me? God is distant and powerful. It is used to describe God as the awesome and majestic creator Oh, let me tell you about, I know about Elohim. Most of you may know about him. Elohim was the God of my childhood. 
He was the God, the God that was up there. He was powerful, but he was also the God that was way away. He was the God that looked at me and said, I'm keeping my eye on you, and if you step out of line too far, you're getting it. You're getting it, buddy. That was Elohim. And I think a lot of people on this earth know Elohim. They believe he's there. They know he's powerful, but they're very scared of him, not in a good way. So therefore, when I was a young person, I kept my distance from God. I was scared of him. I didn't want to mess with it. I would not make fun of Christians over it. My friends would make fun of Christians. I was like, mm, don't do that. I'm not doing Get Let me out of the car because lightning is going to hit this car. Because you're going to make Elohim mad. And you don't want to make Elohim mad because he's powerful. And he will bust your chops because he doesn't really like you. He is pretty fed up with you, actually. Because you're a bad person and you know it. Everybody knows they got bad stuff happening in their life. And I was a bad guy growing up. And I knew Elohim didn't like me really, didn't care for me. I was the kind of person, even after I got saved, I really did believe that God loved the world. But I didn't believe he loved me. He wasn't a personal God to me. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And he's not a personal God to a lot of people. And this is where the things shift. This, this word Lord God means Elohim Yahweh. Elohim, right? Yahweh, is that right, Mr. Hebrew? No, they don't, yeah, they don't pronounce the word, but I can. <laughs> See, I'm sorry they can't pronounce it. They're making a mistake. <laughs> no, they don't pronounce it because they respect Elohim. It's not, they're just. This is God's personal name and is used in context of God having a personal relationship with people. Do y'all get that? Chapter 2. Chapter 1 is about is a chronological order of creation. That's what it is. You know, one, two, three, you know, six sentences. Chapter 2 focuses in on day 6 of creation. Day 6 is when God created us. And so what the Holy Spirit was trying to get people to see is God is the creator. He's the mighty God. He's this majestic, powerful God. But when he created man, no longer was he this God out yonder. Suddenly he's Yahweh Elohim or Elohim Yahweh. He's a personal God. He's a relational God. He's a near God. He wants to be involved in your life. It's the foundational truth of the entire Bible. If you think about it, God wanted to be with man. When they fell, he was looking for them to have the walk, to be with them in the garden. When God had the children of Israel out there uh, in the wilderness, he said, I want my tent to be in the middle I don't want to be over here. I want to be in the middle of y'all because I want to be with y'all. And when Jesus came, the Bible says the Word became flesh and made His home. Listen, He made His home with us. He didn't live up on a hill somewhere looking down on the deprived humanity. Are y'all following this? God Himself revealed Himself as this relational. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to be in the midst of what you're doing. If you're working, I want to be there with you. If you're at home, I want to be in your home. 
If you're in the car, I want to be there in the car with you. God's never intention was to be this far off God that people believe he is. And that many times we believe he is, especially when we're going through hard times because it feels like he's far off at times. But he's not. Are y'all following this? This is really the, the, the a mighty thing. Now, I want to read Genesis 3. And we know what happens in Genesis 3. This is when the serpent, the devil, Satan comes. And I want to say something about Satan. I'm not a Satan person. I'm not a devil person. I'm not, I don't have these great theologies about the devil. You know, Flip Wilson. Anybody remember old Flip? The devil made me do it. Remember that? Back when I was in maybe some middle school or something, that was a real popular thing. You know, and that kind of gets to be extreme where you're everything that goes wrong, everything you do wrong, you're blaming the devil. Well, I think it's good to blame the devil. We don't want to draw attention to the devil, do we? We don't want to focus on the devil, do we? No, that's not our focus. We sing it. Jesus is our focus. He's, he's the king. We're putting our eyes on him. And, but Paul said, oh, by the way, don't be ignorant of his schemes. Peter said that, basically the same thing. Hey, there's a roaring guy. This guy's going around roaring and carrying on. You need to... You need to be careful about him. You need to. And so, I believe this. I, I, I feel this, y'all. I feel, I said it earlier, it's time to push back on the devil. I think the devil has taken advantage of people. I think the devil has, has fed a line to the church, fed lies to the church. I feel like we have been lapping, oh, we're not talking about the devil no, yeah, don't talk about me because I can work behind the scenes of your life if you don't. Just, yeah, don't talk. Talk about all this other stuff. Don't even pay any attention to me. I'm going to work behind the scenes in your life. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11. He said, the, he said the devil is crafty and he is going to lead you away from your devotion to Christ. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to draw you out. He's going to pull you out. Are y'all following this? Okay, so we got to, I think it's time for the people of God to stand up to the devil. The devil is a defeated foe, okay? But he's got people convinced he's not defeated somehow. People, and if you think you're not one of them, you are full of bull because you are deceived if you don't think God, the devil's not bringing influence into your life and the devil's not talking to you. He's speaking. The devil's words have power, just like God's words have power, just like your words have power. When the devil's, and, and, and what, that's where his power is, he suggests things to you. And when you begin to take hold of that suggestion, suddenly his power can start manifesting in you, and you start acting on what he wants versus what God's will is. Are y'all following this? I'm going to read this. So the serpent was shrewdest of all the wild animals. The Lord God, note that, the Lord Yahweh, the personal God, had made. One day, he, being the devil, asked the woman, being, you know, our great-great-great-grandma, did God, did you catch it? Did y'all catch that? Did y'all catch that? Did God, the far-off God, suddenly God is no longer this close relational God the devil is making this suggestion to, want, to, to Eve. Did the far-off God, the, the not-personal God, the God of Byron Wicker's youth, the God that's far away in your life, 
is he? Is God far away? I mean, suddenly this thought's in her mind that was never in her mind before. Where is, wait a minute, where is he, by the way? You know, suddenly these thoughts start coming into you. Well, if God loves me, why did this happen to me? Why did my friend die? Why am I in such a financial calamity? Why is there all this brokenness? Are y'all seeing this? That's the devil. That's the devil's question. I'm telling you it is. And did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Any. So right away the devil starts saying something that's extreme. Okay, now Eve, a mother of all mankind, said, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. She replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you go back and read what God said, guess what he didn't say? He didn't say a word about not touching it. Are you hearing what I'm doing? Suddenly, because the suggestion has come, she, in her mind, has bid in. Right here, she has bid in to the far-off God. He said, we can't eat it, and we can't even touch it. That's how harsh he is. That's how demanding he is. Are y'all following this? It's, it's real subtle, isn't it? It really is. Uh, if you do, you will die. Now, that's also something God didn't say. This is what he said. If you, if you eat that fruit, you will surely die. In other words, what God said, this is a fact. What she says, well, we, we might die here. Yeah, yeah, that, that, could, that could be bad for us. No, God said, no, it will surely be bad. See, she's added something. She's taken something away. Are y'all, are y'all, see, this is what goes on with us, y'all. This is what goes on with us. Uh, and then the, this is what the devil said in verse 4, you won't die. So he said, you won't die. Of course, God said you would. He's saying, God said you surely would. Now the devil said, no, you won't. You won't die if you do this. You're going to be all right. You'll get through this. Don't worry about it. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, you if you do it, you, there's a doorway here for you, and you can begin to know some stuff that God's not telling you because God's holding back on you because God's way out there, and he doesn't really have time to mess with you. In fact, he's just being nice coming down here talking to you in the cool of the day, but he really doesn't want to do that. He doesn't really want to be bothered with you. He doesn't really care about your problems. He really doesn't. Y'all see how, and see, this is how mankind lost the blessing. That's how we lost it. We, we, we bit into this. We believed it. And, and, that, and that broke that blessing that was on our life. It, it broke it off. And suddenly we were cast out of the garden. We're cast out of the garden. And no longer did we have dominion over the earth. No longer were we the crown of God's creation. We were these, these broken people. You know what King David said? I love what King David said in Psalm 8. 
I wish I'd have put that, got, brought that scripture. Uh, it says, what, what is man, this is David, what, what is man that you are mindful of him? That's what David says. It's a question. What, what is man that you're mindful of him? You made him a little lower than, I want you all to hear this, you made him a little lower than God. Many translations say angels, but if you, look, if you read it, it literally says Elohim. The little translation, the Young's little translation says, you made him a little lower than the Godhead. In other words, God created this man, this woman, totally in his image, and we only lacked a little bit of who God is. We weren't God because there's only one magnificent, beautiful God. But he made us just what David said, just a little bit lower than him. And you crowned us with glory and honor. That's how David interpreted this. That's Psalm 8. You, you crowned mankind with glory and honor. That's what we were. And when we lost that in the garden, that crown of honor was taken off. Suddenly we're carrying a crown of shame, a crown of disappointment, a crown of hurt, a crown of insecurity, a crown of fear. That's what we're walking in. Every little baby in the world was born in this world. And at some point, they're wondering about themselves. They're wondering about who they are. They feel things. They look at their friends who have toys that they don't have or have beauty that they don't have or sitting behind the guy with the hair. You hear what I'm telling you? And suddenly we realize we're... We don't like just a little bit of the Godhead. We like a lot of the Godhead. We have went way down the tubes. And we don't, we don't carry a crown of glory and honor no more. We, we, we carry a crown, a crown of disappointment, of striving, of, of hurt, and of hurting other people. And that's, that's what has happened to humanity. We're not no longer a little lower than the God. Look at the world, men having sex with little boys, killing babies. Is that the image of God? Is that glory and honor? No, that's man who has fallen way away because he doesn't carry that glory and honor and doesn't respect babies and children and doesn't respect other human beings. He looks at people that's different color to him. He's immediately fear and hate them instead of loving them and seeing God in a black face. They see a thread in a black face. That's why, because we have fallen so far away from that glory and honor. And that's why uh, that thing that Rick Jordan said spoke so powerfully to me that God has spent the rest of the Bible trying to get us back to being restored to carrying glory and honor and being people of glory and honor, people that can honor other people people who can speak life over other people, not people who are scrambling and trying and, and pulling and ripping to try to make it through our lives. And that's really, really what has happened to us. It really is. Humanity has, is broken. And the world that humanity created, because we've created this world we live in, is a broken is a broken world. Our world is real broke. It's broke. 
And we had to walk into brokenness. I'll tell you that. Like I said last week, the world, what the world needs is people who've walked into this brokenness but found a way out and found healing and found life in Christ and found like, you know what, I wasn't created for this. I wasn't created for shame. I wasn't created for brokenness like this. I was not created to be less than. I was created to be a little less than God, just a little bit, just enough that there's, a, there's him and there's us. And it's always going to be that way. But we are supposed to be way more than we are. And the only way we're going to be way more than we are is to get back to that blessing because that blessing is what made man what he was. It's what gave him the ability because God not only, he not only he formed us with his hands and every baby, the Bible tells us this in Job uh, and, and, and Jeremiah says, God formed me in my mother's womb. Every, every one of us, whether you believe it or not, God has had his hands on you. He's put, he made you. He, he reached into your mama's womb and made you personally. It wasn't impersonal. It wasn't just, oh, they had a baby and it's all biological and physical. No, God got real personal like, oh, I'm going to create Tony Baker. This is what he's going to be like. And it's too bad I'm not going to let him keep his hair. Because I know him and Byron get to know each other and he's got a little less than Byron and it'll make Byron feel a little better. <laughs> But God formed him and made him the way he is. God touched him, everybody in this room, every human being on this earth. That's why, that's why life is so important. That's why abortion is so, you know, and that's why, you know, the sex trafficking and this abuse of these children and abuse of women and all this stuff, it's just why it's so abhorrent to God. It's why it's so evil because it's going against who we really are and who God created us to be. And God wants to fix that. He wants to fix that. And he's looking to rise up an army of people that will begin to receive the blessing, begin to believe God again, begin to believe what he said. Like I said last week, I said God is going after people's beliefs because the way you believe is going to ruin your life or make your life. You start believing something with all your heart, you can begin to declare it. You can begin to speak it and there will be power on it not just empty words because you're believing something that God said and God wants to release his voice into the earth again. Are y'all following this? Woo, mercy, Lord. I'm not being too intense, am I? I say. So just as, as people in the natural steal things, right? They can steal your stuff. They can go into your house and get your stuff that you want. That you, that's yours, that you don't want them, nobody else having, that belongs to you, and run off with it. The devil has done that to us. The devil has stole, and Dean was trying to address it, the devil stole people's peace and gave them some fear. He's, he's stolen the church's joy. He's made the church a bunch of sour people. He's stolen our, our vision for victory. He, he's stolen our vision for being something beyond what we see around us. He's stolen our vision for, for knowing stuff and hearing stuff in the Spirit and connecting with, in a spiritual way to God because he's a thief and he's stolen our identity. He's stolen it and he's given us a bad identity. He's replaced our identity. And we lived our life fighting this false identity knowing this is not who I really am deep down inside. That's not me. 
And everybody in this room, whether you're willing to admit it or whether you're willing to get in touch with yourself, that's how you have felt at times. The devil has stolen it. We've given it away. Everybody in this room was born as an orphan. When you were born, you were spiritual orphan. Every one of us. Every one of us. And you, because we weren't born again when we were born. We were just born. And if you're not born again, you're an orphan whether you know it or not. You don't have, you don't belong whether you know it or not. Now you do belong. You just ain't accepted it and stepped into it. But there is, there is an orphan mindset. There is an orphan spirit that's pervasive in the earth. You know, uh, just speaking of language, I'm about done because we're going we're gonna to pray. But speaking of language, 12 years ago, I mean, went to this church. And this was a really great spiritual church to preach. And I talked about the orphan spirit. Well, everybody in the room was looking at me with this dumb look. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we never heard of an orphan spirit. Just 12 years ago, nobody in this Pentecostal, powerful, prophetic church that I was in that was really moving in gifts of spirit, healings, I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff they were doing, awesome stuff. But they did not want to know what an orphan spirit was because that was new language 12 years ago. But now you can go into a Presbyterian church and they'll tell you about an orphan spirit. It's because God released that language into the church to describe something. I didn't know, I'd never heard of an orphan spirit. I think I've shared this many times, but this is one of the most powerful moments of my life when God broke the orphan spirit off of me. I didn't know what it was. I asked the Lord, I felt something break off him. I felt something leave me. And I said, what was that, Lord? He said, it was an orphan spirit. I said, an orphan spirit? John 14, 18, read it. It says, I will not leave you abandoned. I will not leave you as orphans. I thought, my God, I never knew I was under the influence of that thing. All my life I was influenced by this spirit that was telling me, you don't belong, Byron. You're not in. You're not good enough. You've got to do these extra things to be good enough and be accepted. Now, it may be different in everybody's life how that thing works, but that's a lot that has a lot to do with it. And that's why kids, when they're young, go and, and join these groups. And that's why kids join gangs, because they, have, they belong. They have identity. Because everybody's looking for this identity with something bigger than themselves. And that's where the church has lost it, y'all. You know, we're just the people who come, and we aren't, we're not saying we have an identity. We're the family. We're the family. We're family. We belong. We've got something. We've got something to give. We've got something to bring. We don't have something that's exclusive to us. It can be yours. Yeah, all righty. Let me read one more scripture. This is because God wants us to reclaim it. That's why I think we need to start getting a little, little uh, kingdom of God suffers violence kind of thing. Y'all know that scripture. Lots of different interpretations on it. <clears throat> the kingdom of God serves violence, but violent men take it by force. In other words, the devil ain't going to let go of some stuff that he's got in your life easily. He's got pretty, pretty good grip. He's got you convinced that he's stronger than he really is, uh, which is enough. Is enough to keep you from having what you're supposed to have. You're convinced that he's got this power that he really don't have. And so you're believing stuff. I'm believing stuff. I think I mentioned it last week. A lot of the theology about healing is heresy. It came from heresy. 
that's what one of the things that was I thought was pretty powerful. You know, after uh, I'm trying to remember exactly. This came from the Andrew moment. The first 300 years of the church, first 300 years of church, healing was the norm. It was the norm of the gospel. But then we had this situation where Christianity became the legal religion of Rome. And it all got watered down, okay? And all these theologies came about why God doesn't do this and about this about healing. In other words, healing was taken out of the gospel as a side thing at best. That is heresy. I'm telling you, it's heresy, y'all. If you don't believe that healing is essential heart of the gospel, you are not believing the gospel that's preached in the New Testament. Because if it wasn't, why would Jesus do all that? I mean, come on, y'all. We need to change what we believe is what I'm telling you. I want to challenge you today about what you're believing, not just about healing, about everything. About everything. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to challenge us about our belief systems, and be willing to be teachable and humble ourselves. I'm thinking about this. Anyways, that's not a bad thing, y'all. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing when God says, you're wrong. You're wrong. And if you'll humble yourself and admit to it, I'll tell you how to be right. I'll show you what is right. Because I know. I'm the guy who did this. I wrote the book. I know what I meant when I wrote it. Your theologians may, may or may not know. Let me tell you. The Holy Spirit's job is to tell you that, and he wants to tell us that. Anyways, Luke 10, 19. Let me read that. Whoo, Lord help. Y'all, are y'all tired from not sleeping good last night? <laughs> I went to bed and went to sleep and just went so sound to sleep. I was sleeping so good. And then I woke up about 11.30 or so and could not go back to sleep for a long time. That's terrible. Like, oh, Lord, you've got to help me go back to sleep. Please help me go back to sleep, Lord. Of course, God is silent. You know, he's not, I'm not helping you. <laughs> you need to figure out how to go to sleep on your own, son. You're like that baby that wants to be held all the time. I'm going to let you cry it out. Well, I did go back to sleep and slept like, like I told Becky, like almost like a dead man. I was so down. But then I woke up at my normal time. Did y'all wake up at your normal time? I don't have an alarm clock. I have an internal alarm clock. And no matter how time I go to bed, I wake up at the same time every day. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to get up because this is really five. This is five o'clock in the morning, Lord. This is not six o'clock in the morning. The clock says six, but I know my body's saying it's five. But my body was saying, you got to get up. So I laid there for a few minutes like I normally do and prayed and just tried to get my heart in tune with God. And I forced myself out of the bed. I mean, I forced myself. Like, oh, Lord, I'm going to make myself do this. I'm going to get up because it's time to get moving. That was my morning. What <laughs> no fun. Listen to what Jesus said. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions. And he's talking about demonic presences and things. And crush them. And crush them. Nothing will injure you. That's what Jesus said. Y'all, Jesus said that. I didn't say that. That's what he said. He's given us the power to reclaim our blessing. 
That's the first step. He's given us the power to reclaim our body. He's given us the power to overcome what the devil has taken from us. He's given us power to overcome the devil. He's, he's given it to us. And that's really what he's asking the church to do. He's asking the church, take this authority and start using it. That's where the power will come in. The power will come. I've given you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you the power. I've given you the authority. Now the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And you're going to be able to, to not only undo Acts 10, 38. Jesus Christ went about, uh, Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. He was using the authority that God had given him to not only live victoriously himself, but to, to help humanity live victoria, victoriously. Amen. So this is, this is how you have to, we have to start thinking. This is why I said at the very beginning, it's time to push back on the devil. Y'all, it's time to push back on him. Not make the devil something he's not, but it's time to start breaking things that the devil has said over people. It's time to go after it. It's time to go after that stuff. It's time to go after lies that people are believing. It's just time and start pushing back on that. It's time to do it in our own hearts. It's time to do it in our families. Okay, it's time to do it in the body of Christ. And as we begin to do that and learn that, I'm not saying we're going to do it all in a day and all the moment. We're going to learn how to do it and we're going to walk it. And at some point, at some point, we're going to have a breakout. And the breakout is going to be able to set the world free and take what we got that we've been already have, that we're already carrying, and begin to loose it on the earth. Yeah. Loose it in the earth. And man, it'd be great to do that, to loose it into to Washington, D.C. You know, and, and uh, Beijing, you know, and uh, Seoul, South Korea, and whatever North Korea is, you know, because it's, this is, we've got something, y'all. So one of the things that, this is what Maya really was feeling. Did you want to say something, Maya, about this? If you want to, come on. Maya was feeling this thing about the Father's blessing. What I'm giving you is an expansion of the Father's blessing, I want us to see it as bigger and greater than we realized. Hey, everyone. I just, last week, when Byron was preaching about the Father's blessing, one of the things that really stuck out to me was he said that it was preparatory for what God wanted to do in your life. And I was praying with some people after the service on the ministry team, and I was asking the Lord, you know, what's your heart for this person? What, what do you want for them? And he said, sonship. And I looked across the way, and I saw Don Gein standing. And I went over and grabbed Don. I said, would you release a father's blessing for this person? And he came over, and he just prayed a prayer of blessing. And it was very impactful for this person's life. And I just really felt like that is what God wanted to do for a lot of us. It, it's not saying anything bad about your personal father. Maybe they just didn't have a revelation of giving you a blessing. But I just know that in particular that there was a, a man from this congregation, Jerry Ball, that gave me a father's blessing. He just bestowed it upon me, spoke it over me, and it was extremely impactful for my own life. So I really was asking Byron, could we do that here? It could be something that could be a, a breakthrough for you, for you to receive a father's blessing if you've never had it. And it's something that a lot of our hearts long for. 
I just craved it. At, at one point in my life, I even verbalized it. I'm like, I want a father's blessing. I'm like, where did that come from? It was just something that my heart cried out for, and it was really impactful. So I just suggested that we possibly do it this week. So can we have, there's some awesome people. Don, could you come up again? And uh, some others that should come and release a blessing. Yeah. Don Casperson, too. Yeah. Charlie, could you come? I was even thinking Corey and Joe, maybe some of the kids would like to receive a blessing. Some of the teens, our elders, Marlon, come on. Don't hide on the front row. Yeah. So if this is something, Luis, please, you too. If this is something that your heart craves, you don't have to be a young person. You can be an older person. And if you need a father's blessing, if you need a blessing, please allow one of these men to release this to you. This could be a a launching point. If you felt stymied or held back in any way in your personal life, and your personal walk, I feel like this could be something that God would use to release you and launch you. So, yeah, it's important. I just want to give this word really quick. Um, She told me this morning she felt like the Lord wanted to release the Father's love, uh, really, which would cast out this fear that came up earlier. So I just think that all ties in with this blessing. So if you've been operating in fear, that blessing really will, the love of the Father uh, really will. So, amen. One thing Luis was just telling me, I know many of you know Israel. Our, our Hispanic brother, uh, and he had a heart attack this week, and he came close to death. But Luis prayed for him and prayed the Father's blessing over him, and he had a major encounter with Jesus, and the peace of God came into him. Where he felt Jesus went into him, the peace of God came on him, and he's out of the hospital, he's at home. But he had that turnaround when Luis released this blessing into his life. So I believe this is something the Holy Spirit wants to do. Me personally, I'm I'm on a blessing. I feel like I've walked in a Father's blessing, but I, there's more to it. I want the more of it. I mean, I'm stepping into something new, and I believe if you want that, if you want to step into something greater than you have, I believe it'd be wise to receive a Father's blessing this morning. Even if you received it a hundred times. You know, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. God wants to do something in your life. He wants to bless your life and encourage you. So I would just encourage you all to come on up now and just let one of these, these great men pray and for you. Um, all right, let's go after this. Come on. Come on up if you want this prayer. And I want to I want to engage you personally where you are right now too. If you were here last week, we went after the kids. And we're going to go after us right now. Us non non kids. Come on up, spread out over the front. If you would stand up where you're at if you're not going to be coming up this morning, let me release this corporately before we dismiss today. Lord, Papa God, Daddy God, 
Abba Father, release your blessing on us today. Release your Father's blessing. Lord, help us to grab hold of our identity as children. As you as the good Father. And Lord, pour out your blessings on us. Pour out your blessings on us, God, because that's what you promised to us. Because that's what you promised to us. Because we are daughters and sons of the King. Listen, y'all, it's ours by inheritance. It's yours. You are doing God a disservice if you don't openly accept the blessing that he has for you. Do you hear what I say? Do you hear what I'm saying? Can you please step out of your own way and just say, yes, God, I receive. Nothing you've done can separate you from the love of the Father. Do you hear me? Look at me. You are loved. You are loved. God has a plan and a purpose for you. God has this bushels and bushels, cattle on a thousand hills that he wants to give to you. It doesn't matter if you've mismanaged it in the past. It doesn't matter if you made a mistake. Because guess what? Nothing can separate you. Look at me. Nothing can separate you from the love of the Father. Do you believe that today? If you don't believe that today, you need to run up here and get somebody to pray for you, to break that off of you. Come on. Lord, pour out your blessing. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my health comes from. Give me you know just what to do I will love you, Lord, my strength Come on up here before you leave I will love you, Lord, my shield I will love you, Lord, forever Don't go today before you get just a, more of the Father's blessing.
encourage you to do that. If you're done, we're thankful that you're here. We love you. We bless you. Don't forget to get your children from the Sunday school. Grab a hold of this if you can, though, before you go. We're going to stay here for a while.